here today by the one and only Reversal. Uh, if you don't know who he is, I, I don't know where you've been, uh, but it hasn't been YouTube. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so uh, Reversal, why don't you introduce yourself and talk about uh, what you do on YouTube and the sort of content that you cover? I mean, obviously it has to do with Pokemon Go, but uh, mm-hmm. a little bit more than that. How about? I go by the username Reversal. My uh, real name is Gio. I'm a uh, European Pokemon Go YouTuber from the Netherlands. And I believe I'm like one of the few people actually representing Pokemon Go from Europe. So it's a little bit of a different perspective. So our countries are relatively close to one another. It's easier access to a different country where Pokemon Go would be looking completely different. And I mostly just focus on just the news as far as, far as Pokemon Go concerned, covering events, actually going to events. And I'm what you call a partnered slash sometimes sponsored content creator for Pokemon Go. That means that Niantic from time to time will fly me out to these events and I got to cover the events with Niantic. So yeah, that's kind of in short me, I guess. Yeah, a nice little nutshell of what you're currently doing. All right. So I do want to say before we get started, thanks so much for uh, donating your time to be on here and to speak with me today and to all of our listeners and such. I've got to say, like, I've been a fan of your videos even before we were doing the podcast. We started that, I want to say, about a year ago. And prior to that, I had the pleasure of meeting you at the first GoFest, which was a task in and of itself in in a lot of facets. I remember it was towards the end of the event and the friend I was there with, we were like, oh, man. Uh, let's get out of here. It's it's time for us to wrap this up because we were watching like, you know, the balloons like detach and fly up into the air and stuff right. like that. And I waited in line to go see you because you were the only YouTuber that I watched at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, you were just dedicated and it was fantastic. You were like kept a smile on your face the entire time. You looked real tired. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Towards yeah. the ending, it was so warm and to be in the heat, that was actually the first ever time where I was in public where I literally on that day took over a thousand pictures with people because wherever any of the Pokemon Go YouTubers would walk, we would literally just get swarmed. And it was such a crazy thing. So towards the end of the day, I just literally gave it my all. And I still very vividly remember as people towards the ending, I think it was like five, six o'clock or something like that. They were asking for pictures or they were asking for things. And I was just like, hey, yeah, here I am. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm a little bit tired <laughs> right now. So, yeah, I, I still remember that very, very vividly. It's just kind of crazy. But kudos to you. You powered through it, which was, a, again, a, a kind of a, a trying event. Again, that heat was just, it was unbearable. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of powering through this one as well, because um, apologies in advance. I, my voice, I am a little bit sick. My voice is really under the weather. So I'm kind of sipping away in my lemon Turkish apple tea alongside with a gigantic Ooh. bottle of water here. To, there you um, go. For, Stay for hydrated. This. Yeah, exactly. And and also, thank you. It was really such an honor to hear that you actually was that I was the only one that you'd watch. That is uh, quite crazy to me. Usually, it's oh, really? like, hey, it's Nick or it's Mystic Seven or even Ali at the time because he was covering it alongside That's with right. Um right. So to hear that I was the first one, that is uh, kind of unique in its own way. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago, and I don't remember what your subscriber base was looking at at the time, but you're around, like, was it 330,000 subscribers on YouTube currently? Yeah, that's correct. So, fun story, my channel hasn't really grown since that initial boom of Pokemon Go. One thing that you really notice is there's a lot of people who kind of, like, in quotes, jumped on the bandwagon, as in everybody and their grandma were playing Pokemon Go at the time. <laughs> sure, and literally, sure. you walk on the streets and you'd literally see anybody with a cell phone up. You're like, oh, you're like looking at each other. You're like, kind of like, <laughs> oh, you're a trainer? Yeah, what team, what team are you on? So in that moment in time, my channel kind of grew from 110,000 subscribers when Pokemon Go got started towards 300,000 at Pokemon Go Fest. And then it, it just, it kind of steadily went up but not as much as uh, the initial boom of Pokemon Go. But it's still growing. Yeah, I've been subscribed to you ever since, and I can confirm that it has been growing. So <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of begs the question a little bit. You were talking about towards the beginning of Pokemon Go and stuff like that, but you've been a YouTuber longer than just a couple of years. Um, I went back today, and I was just digging through some, some of the older stuff. And around four years ago, you started? It's actually very recently, five, yeah, five years now. It's been yeah. crazy. So you used to cover uh, a few other games, right? Like I saw some Boom Beach content. Yes. And uh, some Clash of Clans stuff and something at uh, Knights and Knights and... Knights and Dragons, yeah. Knights and Dragons, yeah, forgive so me. So it got me started on YouTube, actually. Sure. I kind of want to know. I'm, I'm super curious. Mm-hmm. So 
why Pokemon Go? Why did you hop into that to make content for that? And like, where was your head at towards like the initial fever pitch of that game? Because it was first like, I don't even want to say 24 hours, like that first month was unreal. Yeah. So from your perspective as a content creator, what did that look like? What were you thinking? Okay, so my first, I guess, pitch towards Pokemon Go was the April Fool's prank that Google pulled uh, with the Google Maps thing. In which, if you went on Google Maps, you could like have an option to become a Pokemon trainer, and you'd go from location to location with your smartphone and actually capture Pokemon that way. That was like the old, super old Pokemon Go. This was before Pokemon Go was released, and then there was a bit of a silence, and then there was a trailer for Pokemon Go, and that was, I believe, September of 2015, and that went viral. Then we didn't hear anything for nine months. And then suddenly out of nowhere, I got a text from a friend and he's like, that Pokemon Go game that you were so excited for, which I had forgotten about at that moment, is launched in Australia right now. And I was like, oh, snap. I got to <laughs> jump on that. I got to try that out. Right, sure. And here's what you got to keep in mind. Like back then, having a power bank was not a very usual thing to have. Barely anybody ever had a power bank. Like there was never any sort of need to have a power bank. Sure, people would have a power bank, but usually it would be like a super small thing to kind of help you get through the day. But seeing as Pokemon Go is so extensive, you actually needed something a little bit bigger. So right. first day, Pokemon Go launched. My battery died like a couple of hours in, and I was like, dang, I need to charge my phone. I want to play it again. And ever since then, addicted. And to answer your question as to why I decided to actually jump on that as far as content creation concerned, Imagine this, you're working a nine-to-five job, you're at the office the entire day, and suddenly you got the ability to do that same job, but out in the air and go from place to place. So that decision was made very easily. And also it was a brand new project. It was a brand new game and it was Pokemon. So, you know, I think that's like reason enough to be like, you know what? I'm just going to abandon this Clash of Clans. I've been 100,000 subscribers based of that. Clash of Clans, Clash Royale, my partnership with Supercell. Uh, let's just play Pokemon, you know. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Pokemon definitely has that draw on a lot of people. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume just out on the limb that you've been a Pokemon fan for a long time prior to Pokemon Go, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think my first, my second Game Boy game was a copy of Pokemon Blue. So this is little reversal, 12, 11 years old, I believe. And ever since, just like Pokemon was everything. Like you couldn't be anywhere without Pokemon being a thing. Yeah, you couldn't even go to school. Everybody was talking about everybody your age, everybody older than you. And even yeah. now, even more so probably now, since we've all grown up and we're all adults doing things out in the world and having push and pull, it's <laughs> it's embedded yeah, I mean, in every corner. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy to say, but as a kid, you're like, oh, you're never going to be this into something again. But here I am. I'm almost 30 years old and... I'm more into Pokemon than I've ever been, which is just phenomenal. So I, am, I would imagine that it was a dream come true for you that you're playing this game and then for Niantic to reach out to you, come into the first Go Fest and then the Summer Tour Squad and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. How has the partnership with Niantic been? Uh, from what we see from your videos and other Pokemon Go YouTubers, it seems fantastic. It sounds really great. Like you guys have not only just a working relationship, but everybody there and even the employees that myself I've run into at the two GoFests I've been to, every single Niantic employee has been very like just great in person, has been friendly, helpful. You got to tell me, is that is that the way it is across the board? It is. Uh, it truly is. Wow. That's awesome. Well, what I can tell you is just straight up for them, it's a passion project, too. And this is going to be kind of strange to say, I guess, because some people like don't know what happens, you know, in development for Pokemon Go. But I can genuinely tell you that if a feature is well, not well received, they're probably more bummed out about it than most of the players are really, because they're like working on a feature for months on end. Like, for example, trainer battles, you know, they've been working on that for two years. Like they've been working on that for such a long time. So they are super nervous to release that and they want to make sure that they release it right, no matter what it takes. As far as the partnership concerned, it is great, but at first it was really a rocky start. Like for the people that, you know, know the Pokemon Go YouTubers, like going into 2018, 2019, back then it wasn't like this. I think in the first year of Pokemon Go, 
I think we got the impression that Niantic didn't even think we existed, which was kind of a, a weird period of time. We were just kind of doing things like, we're just like, okay, you know, throw a couple of things at the wall and see what sticks, you know, as far as content concerned. And then eventually came down to the point for Pokemon Go Fest that Niantic actually reached out and we just like, we all got into a, a Twitter group chat and we just freaked out. Like we were just like, is this a real mail? Like, oh, yeah. is this a real thing? Did they just reach out to us? <laughs> yeah, sorry, my voice is giving out. So that was kind of weird. But then after Pokemon Go Fest, they're like, okay, we got you in Pokemon Go Fest. And that was it. Like, nothing happened for a while again. And I believe, I think when Liz, the Pokemon Go community manager, came into the picture, that's where things started to get to the point where they are right now. Because at that time, there was no person who actually was hired for the job of doing community management so that means that you know got all these influences you got all these sources you got the silver you got serabi you got pokemon go hub you got all the podcasts you got all the youtubers and they didn't do anything with them because they didn't know what to do with them so during pokemon go fast they just eventually hired it's uh pokemon podcast it's super effective they were a part of media uh silver road was there go hub didn't exist at the time uh, and the YouTubers were there. So it's kind of like uh, testing the waters a little bit. And now they kind of establish sort of the direction they want to be going with. For sure. Yeah, it seems like there's almost a level of standardization that happened over this past year um, with the YouTube series or the travel series that they had you guys do. Like going all in on that sort of like on foot, on camera adventure style filmmaking, mm-hmm. like man on the street style shooting and seeing it from them as well as like a really well produced production. Um, in addition to watching, you know, like the eight, nine, ten Pokemon <laughs> Go YouTubers that I watch nowadays, um, it's <laughs> I'm all in. By the way, <laughs> it's it's just really interesting to see, and and maybe from my perspective, I've just been kind of blissfully ignorant, or this is just my first time I've been really interested in it. But the influencer culture has just kind of blown up with this game at a sort of epicenter. As far as, like, mobile gaming is concerned. Yeah, kind of, yeah. At least in the Pokemon Go scene, that's definitely true. Uh, I think the first... We already mentioned uh, Supercell uh, from Clash of Clans and Boom Beach, Clash Royale before. Uh, That was the first... That was the pioneering as far as uh, mobile content gaming concerned. And I kind of feel that Niantic took that in some way, shape, or form as far as the feedback that me and Mystic7 had as far as how they should treat their influencers, because we both know kind of what happens behind the scenes. So what we're having right now, this partnership with uh, Pokemon Go for Niantic, I have the same thing with those games as well. It's, it's an interesting thing because it's definitely a, a different contrast coming to them. For the Clash games, Supercell owns the IP to that, meaning that they own the intellectual property. They can do with it whatever they want. But for Niantic, for Pokemon Go, you got the Pokemon Company, you got Nintendo, you got Game Freak, you got Creatures, you got Niantic. So you got like five parties that are in charge of Pokemon. So this is kind of different. They have a lot of like layers that they need, need to go through as far as approval concerned before something actually can happen. Yeah, I would imagine that that makes things a little mm-hmm. bit more difficult to kind of move quickly if they need to. So as far as, you know, having all these kind of thumbs in the same sort of pie, right, with all of these companies kind of around this one intellectual property that is Pokemon, to see groups like Silph Road come in off on the side and kind of fill a gap that wasn't there before, like the social networking sort of thing that was there before with the trainer cards and stuff like that, prior to even friends being in Pokemon Go. And even now organizing like a ranked system for PvP and stuff like that. How do you feel like that's affected the overall sphere and the mentality of the average gamer? Do you think that that sort of stuff is encouraged by Niantic? Or do you think that there could be more people like Silf Road if the conversation was more open? without all these other hurdles in the way, like legality, Nintendo, Game Freak, what have you? Yeah, I mean, in the first place, if um, Silf Road wouldn't be invited to come at Niantic headquarters that would make the message clear that you know something like that is not like wanted or preferred uh the fact that Niantic actually has Silk Road on board for the past like three two years tells me at least that there's definitely value in that and I from the conversations that I had with the people over Niantic and just the communication between Silk Road and Niantic I can definitely tell that you know without Silk Road 
Pokemon Go would not be where it is right now. I think that's very a very safe assumption to make. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I don't think I could agree more with that. I think most of the conversation points that I was having with a lot of other trainers at Pokemon Go Fest and stuff like that, and we had a meetup with a bunch of other podcasts, mm-hmm. and this was a popular talking point there as well, is that Silk Road really was something that we felt the game was lacking at a core. But at the same time, having that gap there brought so many more people in that it was a positive thing to have. Yeah, the, the thing with Niantic is that they want you to go out and get together as groups and do these events together and set up things. And then Niantic can support that, as, as we've seen with like the, the cleanup initiatives that they had. Like a lot of these little initiatives that Niantic is working together with is based off players reaching out to Niantic and be like, hey, we got this thing that, you know, we got going on there. Is there something that you guys can potentially do? And then obviously they kind of filter like, hey, is this something that's sustainable? Is this something that we want to like set our foot in the sand with? And based on that, stuff does actually happen. So I think from Niantic's perspective, if you ever want to make events happen and you got like a, a solid foundation of a plan, you got good pillars of support to make this event happen. You got organization, you got a location, all that sort of stuff. You can reach out to Niantic and explain the entire thing. And maybe they'll actually make a safari zone around your area. I don't know. Like Niantic has specifically mentioned like, hey, you know, we support these communities. I mean, very often, especially during community days, they always share these pictures of like different types of communities on their website. And I think that really goes to show that Niantic actually like is very happy to see these groups getting together for a picture. It's, It's actually kind of a cool thing to see all these communities like, oh, you got a community in Puerto Rico. You got a community in... Denmark, you've got a community in Singapore, all coming together for this game called Pokemon Go. It's great. Recently, we got a figure, I believe it was last summer-ish, where it was actually found out that Pokemon Go had more daily active users than launch, which they broke, and they set a record. And, I mean, with these community days, I see a lot of my friends that no longer play that are like, you know what? I'm going to just play on that day. Sure. Just because everybody's playing on that day. I mean, that's the beauty of those events. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're freaking great, man. Like, these, these events are... There's just, just so much hype to these events. Since 2018, that Niantic has been doing that, I don't think there's ever been a dull moment where people were like, ah, I'm not looking forward to Community Day. Like, even if there was a Pokemon out there that wasn't super interesting, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go for that shiny. Oh, sure, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the most recent example would be Swineup, you know, like a lot of people mm. weren't excited about Swineup, but they are excited about Shiny Swineup and Mammoth Swine is just like hype central. <laughs> I mean, it's the strongest ice Pokemon in the game by a landslide. Right. By an avalanche. <laughs> I throw the pun in there. That one's scrubbed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think like, sure, you know, people are not as hyped up, but if you have the capability of catching like a couple of hundred in like the community day time frame. Oh, sure. If you live rural, you have always the capability of, of capturing more than usual. And it could be a shiny and it could have a high IV. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be excited for the best ice type attacker in the game. Right, exactly. I, I mean, Mamoswine, again, is reason enough for me to get out the door that day. So mm-hmm. in my mind, that should be reason enough for everybody else, too. I got them <laughs> stones too. All right. So as far as, as you as a YouTuber... If not Pokemon Go, what do you think you'd be doing right now? I'll probably be doing Brawl Stars now because that'd be the new game from Supercell to be released, I reckon. I don't think it would be that much different. You know, it's kind of weird to think about what would you do if that weren't to be a thing. And it's hard to imagine as well because you're doing this thing, you know? So I don't know where I would be. Maybe I would have, I don't know. (laughs) I really, it's it's tough. It's kind of an unfair question in a lot of ways. <laughs> but I imagine you get questions like this a lot. And it's like, hey, man, if Pokemon Go wasn't around, like, what, what would you be doing? Like, what would your life be like? And <laughs> it's hard to walk it back. Yeah, if it, if it ever gets to that point, you know, we'll just wing it and we'll see where, where stuff goes. I mean, I think for me as a YouTuber concern, I wouldn't have that much of an issue transferring to a different game or anything like that. Because, I mean, I've done it five times. I've started, I did it with Knights and Dragons. I started off with that. Then I went to Boom Beach, did that. Clash of Clans, Clash Royale, and then Pokemon Go. That's six games that I switched into. So 
I, I guess the best answer to that question would be, yeah, I would probably still be doing YouTube. I mean, you have flexibility and your faith in your flexibility as a content creator to kind of, you know, do what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think so. Yeah. Okay. So what was your decision making behind becoming a YouTuber in the first place? Oh, it actually came out of inconvenience. Really? Yes. So I did not like sign up to be a YouTuber. It right, kind of sort right. of happened <laughs> as I made these videos. If you go to my channel, the very first couple of videos are like tutorial based videos, but those were made based off hey, my friends in this game keep asking me stuff and I didn't want to constantly explain everything. So here's a video that you can reference to and watch that. And I believe from episode number six or so, I don't know if the comment is still there, but there was a comment in which someone said, hey, where's your next video? And that was when I didn't make a video for a little bit. That's kind of what got it started. I was like, ha, so one of you guys, like one of my friends asking me that, and they're like, no, no, this is our account. I was like, huh, let's just make a video for that dude. And then I, I believe there was a, a turning point where I saw this this other person in the game of Knights and Dragons with their name. I forgot what his name was, Moosey or something. And then YT or YouTube behind it. And I was like, huh, that's a smart way of promoting your videos. Now everybody does it. But back then, nobody really did that for an online game. So I did the same thing and I actually noticed I started getting traffic to the channel, which is kind of weird. And then I was like, you know what? This is actually kind of fun. I'm still playing the game. You know, some of my friends actually quit. I'm still playing the game. Let's just see where this goes. And then a couple of months later, I got a thousand subs and I actually found myself buying a new microphone and upgrading my settings. I'm like, all right, now we're into this. And I actually got paid on my first paycheck of 16 bucks on YouTube in April 2014. And then I already could see that my next paycheck was be $26. So I was like, ah, oh, snap. I already know I'm going to get more next month. So it kind of motivated me to do a little bit more, you know. It's, it's like a little part-time thing. I just went with that. That was the mindset for a long time. And then suddenly at the end of 2015, I found myself at 15,000 subscribers. It's like, yep. This is a thing now, I'm a YouTuber. So it came from inconvenience. I didn't plan on becoming a YouTuber at all. Like I didn't, but it was such a great moment in my life. That's really awesome. Thank you. If you could go back and uh, give yourself any sort of piece of advice, you know, back in April of 2014, when you're looking at that stuff, what what is something that you would tell yourself to just kind of navigate, I'm assuming, which is a number of hurdles when you're dealing with like, any sort of comment section on the internet you know there's, right. there's going to be setbacks people that are trying to keep you down and what sort of advice would you give yourself so over the years i've kind of built up a like a little infamous reputation of being the the keen star of the pokemon go community in the sense that i get triggered very easily on social media which is an issue that i've been dealing with the one thing i would tell myself is hey geo i know you think you're the bomb in this thing that you are successful but just wait to the point where you grow your channel and the nasty people that are gonna leave comments in your twitter or or youtube page and just ignore them just you know stand above that and i'm telling this advice to myself very nicely right now but i, I know for a fact that probably like next week i've forgotten about it and i'm still like <laughs> <laughs> i was sure i'm yeah. sure yeah no it's, it's it's hard to deal with communities man it's it's really tough because I, I feel that the biggest takeaway from this is like i can speak my mind but i cannot speak my mind freely as in me you know i have this reversal side of me to take into consideration i, I gotta always take into consideration with every single tweet or every single post that i make that hey, there are kids watching my content. People with families that don't like to hear these kinds of stuff try to stay away from this. But sometimes it is hard because sometimes, you know, people get under your skin and they just want to ruin you as much as they can for the little five minutes of fame, you know? Absolutely. Existence on the internet is a, is a treacherous thing sometimes. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> Honest, I would not recommend Neither it to anybody. Neither would I. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I can only imagine because especially in, in the YouTube sphere, you know, and, and as an influencer yourself, it's not just audio. You know, that's a benefit that podcasts have. We have our audio and stuff like that. And, you know, you can be a video podcast for sure. But 
your face is out there. Your personality is out there. You're engaging in a very like human-like interaction. I'm sure you've ran into a bunch of people that are like, I've been watching your videos forever. I feel like we're friends, even though we've never met. Yeah. Yeah. That's a phenomena that's pretty much exclusive. I mean, TV shows and stuff like that and talk shows, but any sort of like recurring, you know, sort of video format, I feel like that's kind of unique to that. That being said, I mean, what are some of the highlights of your YouTube career? What you just mentioned, actually, just meeting people, meeting yourself, like in, in general, just the, the fact like, sure, the numbers, you got views, you got subscribers, you earn money off what you do, meeting people face to face and them telling you how meaningful your videos are to their lives is a life changing thing to experience. If you're doing a stream, you get comments and chats all the time and people are hyped up. But that's so much different than when you can actually see the expression that the person is making. It's it's so weird to say, and I don't want to like jump on a high horse or anything like that, but li- literally people Pokemon Go Fest tear up when they see you. They get emotional. You're like, oh, they're feeling sick. And, you know, your, your content is making me feel a lot better because it's helping me get through these days. And I'm like, man, I'm just a goofball with a camera. Like, it's it's weird. <laughs> I, I've been blessed. I'm honestly blessed with this, you know profession of being a professional pokemon go trainer but at the end of the day you know i'm just a i'm just a goofball with a camera i don't, don't want to like make it more glorious than it is but that's literally it i just make videos put them online and people to watch them i think that's one of your greatest strengths and is something that's a fan one of the things that draws me to your content is that you're very grounded very uh realistic about especially what you're doing the content that you're creating yeah i think that's puts a good picture to you know makes it more relatable Like you could make this, like you could go from the best place to the best place, but like that wouldn't be realistic. Like people wouldn't be able to connect to that. And sure, I do go to these events, obviously, but it's kind of like, you know, you try to keep it as real as you possibly can. And I don't think there's a better content to make. I don't think anybody's better than being the person who they are. And that's what I'm really trying to bring across. So, you know... Obviously, sometimes my views don't line up with everybody out there. But hey, you know, that's what we're humans for. Like, we're not meant to all be having the same opinion about everything. Sure. Yeah, it wouldn't be interesting. It wouldn't be worthwhile having conversations if we all just agreed all the time. Has there ever been a point in time? Let's go the opposite end of the spectrum. Has there ever been a point in time where you've like something happened? And you were like, uh, maybe I should do something else. But yeah, plenty of times, actually. Okay. There are sometimes, as a YouTuber, being so deep into this, it is, there's always a fear that comes with it. Like, how deep is too deep into this, right? Sometimes I do think, like, ah, I wish I started for myself in a different way, like, you know, away from YouTube, seeing as I don't feel like responding to comments any, or anything like that anymore. And it's kind of like you always, like, have these if moments. What if? What if this? What if I do something else? How would this turn out to be? But then you quickly come back to realization like, hey, I cannot just leave. You know, I cannot just leave this behind. Build this. I've built my baby up to the point where it is right now. You always have these moments. It's always crossing in anybody's mind. You know, what if I just quit? What if I just quit my job? Let's just do it. Whatever. You know, but then you're like, ah, I probably shouldn't do that. Responsibility as a human being. It's not (laughs) the smartest thing to do. But yeah, the moments are there. The moments are there. As far as like, hey, am I willing to give up on YouTube? There's been moments like that where it's really tough. And, and this is going to be really deep, but I want to keep it lighthearted. For example, when whenever a relative passed away, I went through like such a, a moment of, of just sadness and just emptiness in my, in my life. Then I was like, how am I going to be able to make a video in which people have a certain expectation of be, being... Geo being reverse or being happy old me, as you said, like, hey, I keep it real. I always have a smile on my face. If I'm not feeling like that, how am I able to make a video? Like moments like those really do want to make you quit. But those are the moments that make you stronger, seeing as you need to you need to go back into it. And you're like, ah, you know, I need to do this. That's powerful stuff. I mean, I think that that's probably the winning perspective to have with any sort of content creation in general. But like when a performance is an aspect of it, whether you're smiling in front of a YouTube video or you know, you're you're doing art on live stream or what have you, like sometimes you're not going to want to, but the choice to do it and put something before yourself makes you greater as a human being. Yeah, I could not imagine being a Twitch streamer because like videos you can edit, right? So you have to, mm-hmm. sure, you put yourself online, you, you put yourself on vulnerable because you're a target, seeing as so many people reach like your content, 
But on Twitch, you need to always perform. There's no like, hey, what happens if I mess up? Because if you mess up, you mess up. Like, there's no going back. Because people hold you accountable. People are like, ah, remember that moment when you messed up? And you're like, ah, oh, jeez. You know, <laughs> there's no reversal in that. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm actually going to dip into a few uh, questions that we got from a few of our listeners, if you don't mind. Sure. This first one is from uh, a patron. His name is MC Scramps. Do you think the level cap will be increased? And, and if so, do you have an idea of when you think that might happen? Oh, man. I've been talking to Niantic for this since the moment I got partnered with them. As much as I want it to happen, I just don't believe that Pokemon Go is ready for it right now in a way. Because here's what you got to keep in mind. What is going to happen with the Pokemon that you currently have if you increase the level cap? The way that I view Niantic is like, hey, we got to give everything some sort of incentive, right? So if you level up to like level 50 or level 45, how are they going to go about doing that? I feel Pokemon Go is in a place where it is right now where it's good as far as the CP of Pokemon concern and how powerful Pokemon are. But the moment you increase the level cap, there's going to be a whole new layer of rebalancing that they're going to go through with every single Pokemon. And they just had a couple of rebalances already. So to be honest, I want it really bad, but I just don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. Maybe towards the end of the year, because we're definitely due. But I don't know. I hope soon. Yeah, because there's definitely this culture, and, and you're very aware of this, of like the level 40 times, you know, X, be it like five, yeah. six, whatever. There was a point in time when you were like top 10 global XP leader, right? Uh, for a month, yeah. Like as, as far as that's, so you have these going back a little bit. What the top players in the world do is they got a Facebook group called the Verified Level 40 group. And this group is being moderated by a bunch of really dedicated individuals. And they actually got a data team set aside, which uh, builds up these rankings. And these rankings are being published every single month. And uh, if you've been on the Silk Road, you probably have seen this passing by from time to time. But if you fill in your information as a level 40 player, uh, all of this data gets compiled. And based on that, there's a rollout that gets released. You would fill in your information, you send it out for survey uh, at the end of the month, and then halfway towards the next month the uh, results get in and they just show hey how much experience did people get in a month and you compare your last stats to this month's stats and a lot of people especially people above 100 million experience which is level 40 times five so that means you hit level 40 five times or your lifetime experience especially people who are dedicated to that towards that level uh, fill in their statistics because they are out there for competition they obviously are competing to a certain degree so they want to see how their fellow countrymen are doing. And based on that, there's a rollout. And I believe it was for November where I actually hit number 10 in the world with the experience gain that I did. But I couldn't make videos because I didn't have time for that. At that moment of time, I, I just got back from the summer tour squad and I, I didn't want to make any videos. I was like, you know what? I'm taking, taking a break. So when I got back home from Japan, I was like, new month. Okay, let's go. So <laughs> awesome. that's how that came to be. The recalibration, as it were. It actually leads into a great question from Jacket K. How do you manage your time between playing, editing, and family, friends, stuff like that? That used to be a really tough one because I used to be really competitive. Like, it's really strange to say, hey, I'm competitive in, in Pokemon Go. But literally, if you got to a certain point where your experience and your catches are that high in comparison to the rest, and you see these rankings, you automatically are like, ah, okay, you know what? I just want to see how I'm going to be doing. Absolutely. You you just kind of get distracted from that. And you're like, I'm setting some goals and I want to hit those goals. And I know if I do this, it's going to take X amount of time to hit that. Combining that with YouTube, I would say it's been a chaotic mess really because I just kind of tried to upload videos whenever I could. And I didn't know exactly when, you know, stuff was going to be uploaded because I was like, you know, but I need to get my grind in and I want to get this experience. So Usually it was very dependent on content dropping by Niantic. Like, hey, there's a new news coming out. There's a new event starting. And I would just jump on that and produce a video. Boom, it's out. And I can go back to my grind sessions. As far as 2019 concern, I definitely now work with a calendar, with an agenda, with a checklist of, or a to-do list. And I think that in business, 
content creation that is very regularly uh, regularly done it's very important to have like some sort of structure in the sense of hey set these goals for yourself on the day and get this done check them all off and you feel like hey i'm done for the day so that is more the mindset that i'm gonna have this year because i'm i'm phasing out towards the experience grind so you feel like you're kind of evolving as a player and as a human right like i've, I've hit every single target that i wanted to hit in pokemon golf i accomplished everything that i want to accomplish as far as my stats concerned i'm like ah, i'm at a place right now i'm happy i wanted to do all of this i got it done and there's just one more to go and that will just come over time so when you do go out and play then uh now that you've kind of like reprioritized where that is in you know your mindset for the day let's say mm -hmm. what things do you prioritize when you play um is it like tier five rates are you going out and setting goals to catch certain pokemon when new ones drop like Where's your head at when you leave the day or leave for the day to go play? I don't have much of a game plan, to be completely honest. Like, I just... There's days where I'm doing a raid train, and obviously the focus is raids. And we go by car and just go raid by raid by raid by raid by raid by raid by raid for, like, mm -hmm. six hours straight. But usually now it's just like, okay, I'm just going to go outside. Let's see what happens. I think that's the most fun way of playing Pokemon Go. The problem with going competitive as far as your experience growth getting to level 40 times 2, times 3, times 5, times 10, some people even, is that you kind of lose having fun in catching an Electabuzz, in catching a Spoink. Because you catch so many Pokemon. These people catch over 500 Pokemon a day, easily. So, like, there's nothing special to constantly catching the same Pokemon. So, what I was happy with after I retired from the experience grind was, oh, hey, there's an Anorith there. Let's go catch it. You know, it's it's actually was it's actually more fun now for me to play than back when I were I was you know competitively going after experience, which is weird. There was a, a listener we answered an email a couple episodes ago who's been a, a long time listener. His name is Clint, and he was asking about he said his verbiage was how do you keep the faith when playing Pokemon Go? And he gave this example of like, hey, my luck just isn't with me. I feel like I play just as much as everybody else. Like I'm not seeing shinies. You know, my IVs are not where they are. I feel like everybody else is just, you know, luckier than I am. And he was asking the three of us on the show, like, how do you deal with that? Where, how do you keep a positive mindset? And I'm assuming to somebody that is as invested in this game as you are, you've experienced that feeling for sure, because RNG is just like that. Yeah. So how did you dig yourself out of out of feeling like life just wasn't on your side, Pokemon Go-wise? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I kind of really resonate with that feeling, too, uh, as well. Because I believe with the amount of Pokemon Go that I play, I'm literally the most unlucky person in my city. <laughs> with the amount of catches that I do, with the amount of Pokemon and I catches that I do, I have been the unluckiest player based off ratio. Like, you see my friend coming back from a break in Pokemon Go, and he... Taps two Pokemon gets a shiny. You know, that never happens to me ever. So I understand <laughs> where you're coming from there. At the end of the day, it, it just have no expectation, man. Like, if you, if you set certain expectation, like, I need to find this IV Pokemon, you're just going to be disappointed over and over every single time it doesn't happen. And that can tear you down as far as your fun concern. And it's kind of weird to say this, but IV is not as important as people think. Right. I think a really great example is... If you have a Pokemon that is 86% IV with 15 attack, it's going to do the exact same amount of damage as 100% IV Pokemon because right. they both got 15 attack. So the, the stat you want to be looking at is the attack stat as far as rates concerned. Defense and stamina are there for survivability. But, you know, if your Pokemon got fainted, just spin a couple of Pokestops, you got you to revive, you know? So the, the problem, what I feel most people have is just like, oh, I want to get this 100% IV Pokemon. But I know the trainer battles right now, all the Pokemon that I had set aside that are like 60, 70% IV or even 50% IV, they're definitely usable in trainer battles, which is great. But as far as your shiny look concerned, well, it just sucks for you, man. Like, I cannot do much <laughs> about... No, obviously, you cannot do anything about this. So why, why, you know, why get frustrated over it? If it's out of your hands, all you can do to increase your chances is just play more, which I don't necessarily want to encourage. But if you're doing everything you can and you cannot do more, there's no use beating yourself up over it. Yeah, the, what we have set aside uh, for us as a way to kind of combat that personally, this is the advice that we give them on the show. 
was that we set goals for ourselves. Like I recently hit level 40, I want to say a, a, a couple of months ago. Congrats. Thanks. My other co-hosts uh, are are getting there like 38. They're just about to hit 39. And we just set goals for them right now. It's XP goals. But as soon as I hit level 40, it was just like, hey, bonds lies in uh, 7K eggs. Like I'm just going to hatch a bunch of 7K eggs and see if I get one. And that'd be pretty cool if I do or I don't. Yeah. So it's not necessarily about like setting an expectation. It's just like, eh, this is something I'm interested in. This is where I'm going to focus my gameplay into just keeping a positive mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, this is kind of like a controversial thing, but I do want to bring in the actual Pokemon main games. In the Pokemon main games, all the Pokemon can be shiny in the wild. So if you take it from that perspective, sure, you can hunt a particular Pokemon type. And sure, if you constantly focus on that Pokemon because you know where it is, you will probably eventually get it as a shiny. But for Pokemon Go, everything is completely randomized. Like you literally don't know if you're going to be getting a Ghastly for your next spawn or you're going to be getting a Dragonite for example. So it's just like lower your expectations if you're feeling bummed out about it because literally nothing what you're going to do is going to increase your odds besides playing more. So for the person that just can't play more, I think a a good example of a frustration that we hear, I'm sure you hear a number of it too, question from Rob. He was asking about the uh, community day moves for some of these Pokemon during these events. Like if you have work and you can't make it out this community day and you miss out on a you know, specific move or what have you, a lot of these people are just like, I've been saving these Pokemon forever or I have this 100% IV like Blastoise that I can't now use for community day, but I want the special move on him because like saved him on purpose sort of thing. What's your sense on how that sort of thing can be handled in the future or might be handled in the future. How it could be handled in the future. Well, if, if you're on community day, by the way, you don't have the time to evolve. Just go to the bathroom and evolve it, you know? <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but um, how things will be handled. So, you know, EV community day, right? Where it was two days. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was out both of those days, man. They need to introduce that. The fact of the matter is, you know, what I know, based on what Niantic told me, is that they pick these dates for Community Day, which is the most, like, the, the best day, usually based on statistics, based on the amount of people that are playing. They're like, okay, these hours of the day most people play. Uh, so they decided to pick that. So they cannot just change that because you cannot play, which, you know, it would be unreasonable to do on their end. But then it doesn't help your situation. So obviously what you could do is get your friend... If you have like friends that play Pokemon Go, get them to catch a couple of these community day Pokemon for you and then trade them away. Because, I mean, we got this beautiful feature called trading right now, which is great, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people do anyway already. Make sure you le- utilize that if you cannot get those Pokemon because you cannot do anything about it. If you cannot participate, you just cannot participate. Think of it as this way. The fact that you cannot participate on community day means that you got probably something more important going on in your life than Pokemon Go at that time, which is a good thing. It's That's a great thing. That's a great luxury yeah. problem to have. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Pokemon Go is just a game and your life is your life. So if you're bummed out about the fact you cannot play during community day, then you probably, I feel, and I don't want to, you know, step on anybody's toes, but I feel like you're putting maybe a little bit too much value in Pokemon Go. For sure. I feel like it's a lot easier for um, people that just play casually to say that to each other. Yes. Um, but to hear it coming from you as somebody that works with this daily at a very <laughs> deep level, you know what I mean? That's powerful yeah. to hear. It's a nice reminder. But as far as like the inability to TM a move during community day just seems like a weird choice. There's these certain nuances that are kind of strange like that. I think a good one is this whole issue with rural players where Mm -hmm. a lot of the people will just take it as a perspective. Like, I feel like I'm being punished just because I live out in the middle of nowhere. And with Pokestop submissions around the corner, I mean, there is hope in sight for somebody like that. Yeah. But do you know if Niantic has a sense of keeping the rural players, like trying to help solve that issue? Yeah, of course. Actually, from what I can tell, it's like they're going to be focusing on that more and more. Because obviously, you know, that's a big debate. But I don't want to play devil's advocate. But I'm just going to be completely like neutral based off that with my best knowledge. You got the player, which is one party. And then you got Niantic, which is the business, right? They cannot put a Pokestop in an area where there's barely anything there. Nothing monumental. At the end of the day, and this is what is hard to digest for a lot of people. Pokemon Go is this game 
which wants you to go out to these locations to see the world because it's a it's a real real life pokemon experience so if you got nothing where you live there cannot be anything there essentially right and that it sucks to say that i really do it really does because i mean my uncle lives in the rural area he literally has no pokestop near him he has to drive for 15 minutes before he gets to the first pokestop right so i i emphasize with that feeling i definitely do get it because you're like you're seeing all these youtubers going to all these great locations you're like Ah, here I am, I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere, you know, with just tumbleweed passing by and no Pokestop to be found. I got that feeling completely, but I, I would say, com- to be completely honest, to be really realistic about this, if you think that all issues are going to be solved with Pokestop submissions, no, they're they're not. Because the things that they look at is, is this Pokestop a monument? Or does it, does like Niantic has a couple of things, points that they need to take into consideration to approve a Pokestop, and if you don't checkmark any of these things that they want for a Pokestop to be, then you're not going to get a Pokestop. So it really, like, I, I completely get the rural area issue. I don't know. We, we've said it to Niantic many times, maybe increase the amount of wild spawns for rural areas. But then again, I don't know if we're going to do that. So that being said, are you looking forward to Pokestop submissions all the same? I mean, in the States, I know people are just, like, sitting on pins and needles. Because we see all these other areas around the world getting it. You know, America is very used to being like <laughs> priority number one in so many things, right? Yeah. Um, just <laughs> it's the American mentality. What can I say? Yeah, I know. I, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I envision that that. Oh, gosh. You know, am I looking forward to it? For myself, I don't really care too much. Uh, for me, my area, like my everything's good for me. But I know people in my area are going to jump on it. And I know other people are going to jump on it. So for myself, I don't care too much for it. But I do voice my opinions based on the feedback I'm getting from my community towards Niantic. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is not going too well. So I'm excited for everybody who is hyped up for it. Uh, I think that's the best way to put it. Am I going to, you know, submit a Pokestop myself? Probably for a video. But I think we got a lot of Pokestops where I live. So I don't have to worry too much about it sure if it's not broke why try to fix it sort of thing yeah and also if if i'm going to be submitting pokestops in my area i already have an abundance of pokestops here i would just take time away from maybe a rural area player to get their pokestop approved so that's also a reason why i'm not going to jump on it as much so i would i would encourage people like if they live in the area where they already got like so many pokestops sure you can go out and do that but do keep in mind the moment you submit something they could also review someone else's situation that doesn't have it as good as you have it. Right. Yeah, that's, like again, another good perspective to have. So if not Pokestop submissions, what is something that you're really looking forward to this upcoming year? From what I can tell, geez, this has got a great area. It's a tricky, it's a tricky it's question. It's a tricky question because I'm not <laughs> sure what I'm able to talk about here. Sure. Okay. So as a very passionate Pokemon Go player and a YouTuber, all I'm going to say is I'm extremely excited about this year for several reasons and that's all you're gonna get from me that's good enough for me you know i yeah. i follow your content so like i trust what you have to say about it so that sounds good enough to me i mean we got the teaser for uh splatoon right <laughs> right <laughs> absolutely yeah that was some that was some sleuth work from from a lot of people i mean as soon as that stuff gets updated that header on the pokemon go twitter yeah, it was just like every, everybody in the internet was talking about it. The subreddits were talking about it. Oh, uh, you know what's weird? I actually found that one and I posted it on Silk Road and that one was the post that got upvoted. I think awesome. I like, I checked the Pokemon Go Twitter and I didn't even know about this, right? And then I was like, oh, hold up. That's different. So yeah, obviously I already know what's going to be happening with that. But, you know, I was like, oh, snap. I didn't know they already changed that, you know, so... I was just like, okay, let's just see what's uh, let's see what the community is gonna say. And I, uh, they jumped in on that, so it's gonna be pretty interesting how that's gonna be released because that's gonna be cool. Because that that Pokemon is uh, the speculation has been at least from us and the, the groups of people that I talk with. The reason that that one's been left out for so long it's it's the last Pokemon from Johto, man. I mean, like last year we wrapped up Kanto and stuff like that, but this is the last one from Johto that we really need. Yeah, and the only conceivable reason why we don't already have it is kind of like, well, it's got Sketch, and that just seems like a monster of something to really handle in this game but on the other hand 
Shedinja came out. And yeah. that whole special mechanic was kind of tossed to the side. I'm a big fan of a lot of the decisions that we've made to, you know, make this game more accessible and stuff like that. The simplified combat, condensing all the stats and things like that. If somebody who came from the main series games, I kind of feel like Shedinja got a bad go at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here's my thought process on that because I don't know what's happening with Shedinja if there anything is ever going to be happening. But what I can tell is, rem- remember Mareep Community Day? And they gave Ampharos a dragon move, dragon pulse? What I believe is there's something going to be happening with Shedinja. That's what I believe. I believe that Niantic didn't just release Shedinja just for the sake of releasing it. But that's what it feels like right now. I believe that there's something going to be done with Shedinja. But I just don't know when it's going to be or if it's going to be this year. And that's the same thing with a lot of these Pokemon, right? Like what, what I heard in that interview whenever John Hankey was on the plane with that other Pokemon Go player and right. that person fired away questions is that they want to honor these special Pokemon like Cacleon or like Smeargle. These Pokemon with these special abilities, they want to honor them in a way that does them justice, right? So that's why I believe that, yeah, sure, Shedinja is really disappointing right now. And I'm like, well, why did they do that? But I believe they will rectify that in some way, shape, or form. I mean, I don't think there's many things that that are happening as, as far as functionality of the game concerned, the features that are being released that is very doubtful. I just think, sure, Shedinja is pretty questionable, but I think it will be okay. Yeah, just have a little bit of faith, kind of hang in there, yeah. like you were saying before, for, you know, th- exciting things are coming down the road. I feel like Niantic definitely has a track record of acknowledging when things should change, even retroactively, that have been around forever. You know, CP rebalances, what have you. Why not special abilities with Pokemon or or yeah. however it manifests? That'd be great. Let's not even talk about the Phoebus Community Day, right? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the the research day that was kind of uh, that was disastrous. It kind of was a bummer. Yeah. Well, it was, it was the worst received event in a long time, from what I tell. I mean, on our show, we try to be, uh, you know, as positive as possible. But with that one, Phoebe's Community Day presented quite a unique challenge because we're from the Midwest and in, in the States, and we had just gotten a ton of snow. So my wife and I went out and we were like walking through snow drifts, like trying to spin Pokestops and stuff like that. And um, she didn't get any shinies. I was really lucky that day. I got three and we did like 22 research what? tasks. I you know, three? dude. It was nuts. But even even that, I was really successful in that day, right? But I didn't have fun. The tasks were such that it was really difficult yeah. to enjoy. Yeah. But the idea of the event is such a good idea. Having a research task-based event is so neat. You can do so many things with that. It, I, I loved it. I, I was. Uh, it's a great like concept. It's just executed very poorly on the first one. I feel it was like Niantic testing the waters. Sure. I, I'm, I'm 100% sure that's not going to be the same again. They cannot do the same thing again. I think Niantic has a track record of maybe messing up one time and then not messing up in the same regard again. I mean, look at Pokemon right. Go Fest. Yes, that's a prime example. 100%. Yes. This last year was a dream. It was great. It was everything I wanted out of the first Go Fest and more. Yeah, and I, I just I just know it's going to be better because what I'm trying to make happen at Pokemon Go Fest is... Uh, is a pvp tournament okay like that would be great if they would have something like that for pokemon go fast so whenever we were at the niantic headquarters we were like throwing out their suggestions to make events like that better let's just see what happens i i don't know if they're if they're gonna do anything with it but if they would it would be cool oh for sure and i mean even beyond like the group of people like pokemon go youtubers and influencers and people that are making content go have and what have you even players i think a pvp tournament was like something that people were like yes this is what i want that would be amazing like the yeah. roar is deafening in some corners of the internet for sure yes. uh, w- one suggestion that i threw out there like i was just thinking we were like having a conversation at the office uh about trainer battles in general and how they could improve it because there was a the developer the lead developer behind trainer battles amazing guy because he made sure that function happened he was asking us about feedback about stuff that would be you know would be really cool to have happen and then on the spot i came up with an idea and i was like you know you know what you guys should do you should make it that you can have a tournament lobby and then have a code and anybody from the world could access that tournament right 
the cool thing with that would be like internationally anybody could join in and the cool thing is would also be you wouldn't be required to have each other added to the friends list you'd be set up in this tournament bracket of like 16 or 32 players and people would just join in or 64 and you go head to head and then once you lose you get knocked out until there's a champion I hope that something like that would happen at Pokemon Go Fest and then there would be one major like and then you could go esports with that honestly. Right. If you have these tournament brackets, like there's so many opportunities to to do that. And I think Mystic Seven was the one who was really excited for like an esports opportunity for Pokemon Go because he really like wants to make that happen. So, you know, if Niantic goes into that direction, I can literally see Pokemon Go lasting for the next like five to ten years. One of the things that I know that we've been talking a lot about on our show and uh, another po- Pokemon Go podcast that's out there, Lured Up, which you're also going to be a guest on here soon. Yes. They were talking about what it would take to make Pokemon Go as an eSport viable and engaging. Because don't get me wrong, it is, it's thrilling to do it, right? And even like if you describe the mechanics to somebody, just you're like, oh yeah, I'm tapping my screen a bunch of stuff like that and I got to time stuff like that. But it, it has some of, some of the key nuances that like the VGC stuff has Yes, that makes it interesting. The swap, the type advantages and disadvantages, timing, all these other things, except that charge moves are a completely new deal. But as a spectator sport, it's definitely not there right yeah true so in your opinion what do you think would have to change or be augmented in order to to be as engaging as like a you know like a league of legends or something else like that that brings in crowds realistically i don't think it will ever get to that point like as a league it's very casual it's very simplistic right that's something to keep in mind for sure i think a really great way of of doing it in in a way which would be interesting for like esports is if you have like a Pokemon you could select from, and it'll be like 1500 CP, and they'll like juke it out with certain moves or what have you, right? Like that's the way you can go around doing it. So that way your top Pokemon, like your Kyogre and so on and so forth, they would dip down to 1500 CP. Their stats would be like cut to the point where it would be acceptable to use the slow, like a Pokemon Stadium, for example. Right. Yeah. They would all be like level 50. Yeah. Yes. So if you have that sort of way of going about doing it, I think that will help out a lot as far as the competitive aspect concerned. But also, I don't think there's necessarily a need for the... Like today, I was at the mall and I was doing a trainer battle and I was like tapping on my phone like crazy. Uh-huh. And I have like a couple of people <laughs> looking weirdly at me like, what is this guy doing? Right. So... I think there needs to be something done with that as well because, I mean, if you ever go esports with this and you see people like tapping on their phone like crazy, trying to right. get their charges, because realistically, we all want to get the maximum power on that attack. You're not you're not going to do a charge attack and be like, oh, you know, I want to just do 25% damage on that move. Like, that's right. silly. I mean, unless you're, you know, being uh, disrespectful to your opponent, you just like hit the charge move and put the phone down, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, ultimate that, flex. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a fun <laughs> one. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that those are ways in which they like we would need abilities for stuff like that to happen. You know, more features. I, I think trainer battles the way it got released right now is very bare bones. The core functionality is great. There's already a competitive aspect, but I think that Pokemon Go should add more to that in order to, you know, spice it up a little bit, make it more interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to how this stuff evolves, and especially with the Silphorina stuff that's going on right now, with the excitement that that's generating with local groups and yes. rated stuff at ladders and everything it's it's phenomenal I, I couldn't be more excited same same it's 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 a good little thing that they got set up and it would be even better if silver starts working together with pokemon go to have these integrations maybe in game yeah that's that would be mind-blowing that's something yeah. that it, it seems like a natural progression right but at the same time you're like if that happens like it's sort of unexpected like it'd be so exciting it would be. It would be. All right. Well, you know, I, I do want to respect your time and uh, we should probably wrap it up here. But I, right. I saved my hardest question for last. OK. What's your favorite Pokemon? <laughs> it's uh, Gengar. Is it Gengar? Really? Mm-hmm. OK. What what about Gengar? Like, is there a story there? Or you just like think it's just rad? I mean, if I look at Gengar, <laughs> it, it just it just looks it just looks evil in a way. But also cheeky. First off, uh, my love for Gengar grew as a Pokemon trainer as I got wrecked in a Pokemon Link Cable battle. And to paint the picture for people that don't know don't know exactly how that went down back in the day, 
So imagine having a smartphone that is five times the size of a smartphone in your hand, which is called a, a fridge, uh, an old Game Boy, <laughs> super big, have four batteries in there at the back, and you have this flimsy little cable that you would sit next to your like your classmate or your friend. They would sit, you would sit next to each other, look at your screen, and then have the cable linked up, and then do a Pokemon battle that way. And if at any point the cable disconnects, the battle's gone, right? So I did that for the first time, and I just got obliterated by this Gengar, and I was like. What is that Pokemon? I cannot <laughs> catch that one. So then my classmate explained, yeah, I traded it and then it evolved. I was like, oh, that's cool. So I got one and I started using it. I just completely like destroyed the entire Elite Four and the champion, which is this Gengar. And I was like, this Pokemon is awesome. Right. So sure. from that point on, you know, after that, it just kind of came to the point where I was like, this Pokemon just looks cool. Love the color. I just, I, dark Pokemon are my favorite type. So Gengar kind of, it's not a dark type Pokemon, kind of fits within that, mm-hmm. you know, dark theme. And I just love Leveler Town. It's my favorite town of all time. So, you know, completely fits the picture. Gengar just like super dark, but it also kind of looks like the type of Pokemon. It could be your homie, right? <laughs> right. 100%. Yeah. I think it's one of the most iconic, recognizable Pokemon that there is. What's yours? Uh, for me? Oh man. Cyndaquil, hands down. Cyndaquil? Yeah, yeah. I've been playing since Gen 1, but Gen 2 is like really my favorite generation. I have no clue. I think Generation 2 is when I started to really appreciate it as the game and like franchise that it is. Generation 1 was sure, and that for sure was great. And there was the fever pitch and all the toys and television stuff. From what you described earlier, you said that you were almost 30. You and I are like pretty much the same age. I'm 27 right now. Yeah. And I don't know. Johto just really resonated with me. Crystal's my favorite game. Of all time. Oh, it's a good game. It's a good game. Oh, my oh, gosh. By the way, I didn't mean it amazing. in a bad way. Like, how did that happen? I just realized oh, it's no. all a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, you <laughs> poor like, thing. How, how did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. You're but, like, interesting. Cynical's trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think Cynical is cool. Yeah, he definitely is. He's he's cute and formidable. It's good stuff. It's good design. Yeah. From the other room, my, my wife is texting me. Gen- generation 1 is the best. She's a Gen 1-er, so that's a point of contention in the house. You know what I mean? Oh, Gen 3 is the yeah. best. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. Yeah. I love Gen 3. What's your favorite version from the Game Boy games? Pokemon Sapphire. As a kid growing up, Sapphire, uh, Ruby, and Emerald. Like, the thing with that game was just, like, it was the first, like, it, it was, like, it was a significant upgrade in graphics and the way the game looked, right? Like, I think I would say Pokemon Sapphire and Pokemon Leaf Green, uh, those games, Gen 3, was the biggest upgrade visually and as far as audio concerned for Pokemon. I genuinely feel to this day that Gen 3 has the best soundtracks all across the board. Like all those songs in Generation 3 are recognizable. It's just a great soundtrack. That added to the fact with how just the game is like done and the flow of the game and just like the Pokemon designs. It just works so well and the abilities as well. So just, just a lot of things. I can constantly keep on gushing about Gen Three, but uh, I need to look at the time as well. It's it's just it's just great. Gen Three is the best for that reason. <laughs> like in Pokemon Go, though, in Pokemon Go, I'm not too big on Gen Three. I mean, I love my Absol, but the rest of the Pokemon, it's just like. But I I feel the the feel towards Gen Three was like best one for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think also the time that these games came out really has an impact on how they're received and stuff like that. And that generation, Generation 3, coincided with the GBA up from regular Game Boy and Game Boy Color. I I believe that Gen 3 got released at a time where, I believe this was before Pokemon Stadium, around that time, right? Maybe Pokemon Stadium 2, because I think Pokemon Stadium 1 came out, uh, I want to say, because when I got my N64, I got it with Pokemon Stadium. Um, Okay, anyway... you know, the I point couldn't I tell you. to make is, <laughs> remember when you had the capability of seeing your Pokemon that you had on the Game Boy games come to life in Pokemon Stadium? That feel was just, like, insane. It was like, whoa, these Pokemon are suddenly so much cooler than they were before. Like, they do all these attacks. And, you know, sure, the Pokemon Stadium game wasn't, like, the best game in the world, seeing us, like, how crazy these, like, you are given these Pokemon that you rented and then you use them, and they were all pretty bad, to be honest, compared to the Pokemon you had in your own games. But still, like, that feeling, and I think, like, that alongside with Pokemon Snap and then 
Game Boy Advance games, gave Pokemon this entire new, you know, fan base to the game, which to this day still very much love the game. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's wrap it up here. Um, I, I really thanks so much for taking the time out today and being on here and talking with me for uh, God, it's it's been almost oh, an you're hour welcome. Uh, more so. Yeah, it's more it has an hour and some change for sure. Is there anything you'd like to share and plug? I mean, obviously, check out your YouTube channel. And I'm sure if you just search for reversal or reversal Pokemon Go, you're going to find your stuff. Yeah. So if you want the actual link, it's YouTube.com slash reversal K and D. K and D is for Knights and Dragons. You cannot change that ever. So that's the actual link to the YouTube channel. You get to my channel that way. Uh, I, I play a lot of uh, play a lot of Let's Go on the channel as well. So if you're ever down to, I stream it. So I do shiny hunts for that. That's actually kind of interesting as well. If you're interested in finding like the latest of Pokemon Go news, like on the fly, my Twitter at Reversal YouTube, and then yeah, I post a lot of AR Plus pictures on Instagram too. So if you're interested in that, then you know that's where you can find me. And thank you for having me. That's really, thank you so much for reaching out. It's really cool. Absolutely. Really appreciate it again. Thanks so much. Um, and see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.